Yay! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Open Relationships Transforming Together, the podcast where we get honest about relationships. Today, I am filling in for our fearless host and CEO, Andrea Miller, who is out with a family emergency. And we are lucky to have in her place therapist Eli Harwood. You probably know her online as Attachment Nerd. She's also author of the new book, Securely Attached, Transform Your Relationship Patterns into Loving, Lasting Romantic Relationships. Welcome, Eli. We're so happy to have you back. Thank you so much. I'm so pumped. I'm excited to play. Oh my gosh. It's so fun. So Brian has a really fun um, setup for us today. Here we have our producer, Brian Adkins. Brian, tell us what we're in for today. So since you two share a common theme of being both uh, parent experts and relation experts, we wanted to source some of the more out there questions uh, that have been put on the internet. A lot of them are from the Am I the A-hole subreddit. Um, and we thought it'd be, you know, a great way for you two to to kind of weigh in on some of these uh, problems that people are having, let's call it. Um, but so to, to kind of start things off, we're going to do um, this one's kind of a warm up one. This will get us into the feel of what we're going to be doing here today. OK, I'm um, so excited. I love I love Reddit questions and Reddit problems. I it gets too. really unhinged. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so this one is to start us off with, uh, am I the a-hole for divorcing, for the way I divorced my wife? So it says, I, 39M, uh, male 39, recently told my wife, 37 female, that I wanted a divorce. A lot of my friends and family have been telling me that the way I did it was so wrong, and I'm submitting this to the court of public opinion, that is AITA. Uh, we were uh, together for eight years. They were living together for seven and married for the last three. We have no kids together and neither of us want them. I was thinking about leaving for a little over a year, uh, for a year and a half, and felt like my mind was finally made up around five months ago. We own a house together and I was concerned about having a place to live once we separate, so I started looking before talking to my wife. Once I got an apartment rented, a van to move, uh, a couple things over, I purposely rented the van on a day she wouldn't be home, so that way she wouldn't bother me. I only packed things I bought myself, and it was only the stuff she doesn't use, like my office chair, my uh, desk, laptop, and my clothes. I left a note on the fridge explaining... Hold on. I left a note on the fridge explaining how unhappy I was and have been for a while. I let her know that I will pay my share of the mortgage for another three months, which should be enough time to sell the house if that's what she wants to do. She keeps calling me and wanting to talk, but I told her unless it's about legal stuff, like signing the divorce papers I emailed over, the house, or dividing assets, I don't want to hear it. Now my mother-in-law is calling me too, saying, quote, you can't just end an eight-year relationship without speaking to your wife, end quote. I don't know. I think I can. Uh, okay. Um. First of all, he ghosted his spouse. Like, did you even know that was a thing? With I, a note on I, the fridge. Okay, so you know, I did know this was a thing because actually, my father-in-law did this to my mother-in-law. No, she went to the um, gym. She went to the gym one day, and she came home, and he had packed his car and told her he was leaving, and that was that. So wait, 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 I, wait, wait, wait. I These are this. people who had kids and everything too, or no? They were married for almost forty years. No, not no joke, no joke. 
So all our kids are grown. Um, which okay, so it brings me to a couple better, things here. But this Jesus person, Christ. this person clearly does not have a perspective on close intimate relationships that is connected and relational. It's very much transactional. Like, well, I didn't harm her. I didn't I didn't extort her. I have every right to leave. And so it's like the letter of the law, like, yeah, okay, I'm glad you didn't do those other really terrible things you could have done to her, but like are you the a-hole? Uh, I, I think you're the socially stunted Yeah. hole. I don't know. That's how interesting sociopath. what you're saying. I was like, yeah. It's like, this is what happens in a marriage when somebody has no empathy. That he's following the rules instead of following what's right for people. Right. Right? Yeah. It's like, that's yep. that's what's missing. Okay, so you may not be a criminal, <laughs> No, no, you're not. And do you have a right to leave a but, marriage? You do. But yes. you you also you also chose to enter into a very serious social contract with somebody else. And there there could have been kindness in that ending. And I guess my question is, why did you have to leave like that? You're acting like, well, I didn't do any harm and it wasn't, you know, like she should be okay with this. But my sense is, is because you didn't want to have to face the grief you were causing. Mm. And, 100%. and I and that to me is not kind. Like it I guess the one element I'll give this guy some credit for is he was clear. I think a lot of people oh. do a lot of dragging <laughs> their spouses through the mud and through the emotional process of acting like they're maybe gonna leave, but that's also a scenario that's happened in my family, um, where someone acted like there was still a chance and there really never was. Mm. Right. And so mm. like that's not kind either, you know sitting around discussing the maybe when you've already decided there's no maybe, that's not kind. So I, I, I give him the kindness of clarity. He was very clear. Eli, what do you think of this? This dude has someone else on the side. Uh, because yeah. It, and, does he? And, and he? I really think he does because he's got a backup plan. Like he, and my feeling is he also doesn't want to face her because she'll get that out of him and then he is the jerk. So maybe he's compartmentalized this other person that he wants to be with instead in this little place and he's like no 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 I just don't love her anymore and yet I couldn't face her or let her ask me any questions <laughs> right huh. I find it sus as the kids say sus well and sus. and you know here would be my question so if I was to be generous if I was going to give the most generous interpretation um which I'd be confused about because you're on MINA hole just tell the whole right, story right, right. my question my question would be <laughs> My question would be, um, you know, was there some form of an emotional uh, toxicity in that dynamic from her to him that led him to feeling like the only way to flee was to flee completely and without the possibility mm. of getting manipulated? You know, because I do see this often in relationships where there's abuse is that someone does have to flee quickly and without any opportunity for discussion because the moment they enter into that gray area, the, the person who is very unwell will find ways to kind of suck them back in manipulate them hurt them more etc so i can kind of understand that but why wouldn't he said that you know that's why would what i was be gonna say this? this this to me sounds like a dude who is trying to like rationalize it and be kind of like cool about it but yeah reality, like he's like being a coward he ran away from like the the very thing that he's causing right like yeah. it, like to at least you know face to face it you know but like He's doing the kind of thing where it's like, 
you can't do this. Oh, I think I can. Like he's trying to play yeah. kind of cool. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, like if there was that kind of, you know, emotional abuse or something like that, I feel like he would have said it because I would get people on his side. Like, right. And the whole point of posting in this forum is to get people on your side. Yeah. 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 And that's that's the other thing is like, this is his best version. This is yeah. his like dressed up. I'm not that bad version. Right. Like, imagine what her version is. But I like yeah. what you're saying. And this is something we don't talk about enough is there is the potential that she was somehow abusive or controlling. And we don't Mm -hmm. talk enough about the fact that men and boys can be in that situation. Yes. And also we have a way that we teach men to lock down their feelings and they can't see themselves as victims. So we will just make room for the fact that it's possible that a man somewhere, maybe not this man could be in denial about the fact that he was abused could be in denial about the fact that yeah. he um, is fleeing for a reason while right. still thinking I have that we have a feeling this guy's just an a-hole. Totally. I mean, I or right. just really developmentally delayed. I don't know. I feel pretty, yeah. I'm like, I always feel bad calling anyone an a-hole. So I know, you're going to well, see that with the me thing. the whole yeah. time. I'm going to always be hey, like, yeah, what, what if I'm wrong? That's today's episode. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, I'm okay. the same way. Right. I'm always like, okay. like my kids will tell me a story about like, oh, and then this jerk did this. And I'll be like, I feel like his parents did not hug him enough. <laughs> and I feel bad for him. And my, my kids will be like, mom. <laughs> but maybe he was never taught. <laughs> We're going to move to the, this is going to be the first real question now that we've got ourselves all warmed up from the fridge note guy. Okay. Um, this one I think would be great for you, Joanna. You should, uh, you should read this one. Okay. So this is, am I the a-hole for not picking up my daughter from a party after she broke my rules? And um, I already have an opinion, but I guess I should read it first. <laughs> <laughs> New Year's Eve aftermath here. My 16-year-old daughter was allowed to go to a New Year's Eve party by herself for the first time. We clearly defined the rules beforehand. No drinking, only stay at the house we agreed on, and be home by two. Okay. I thought my daughter should be grown up enough to handle these rules, but apparently I was mistaken. At 1.30 a.m., she called me to tell me that her friends wanted to go to another party, and she joined them. Now, said friends had vanished. She was at a house party where she felt unsafe and wanted me to pick her up. She was at quite a rom- rom- quite a remote place. In no way would she have been home at two. Also, she was clearly intoxicated. I believe in consequences, so I refused told her that Uh, this will be a learning experience. Uh, It will be. And to figure out how to get home. She's too old for rules, so she doesn't need my coding anymore. I think that means coddling. She tried to argue, but I just ended the call and went to bed. Next morning, I woke up to several aggressive, threatening messages from my ex-wife. Oh, this is a dad. Who had apparently agreed to pick her up instead, which went against the custody agreement. Daughter. Uh, (laughs) My eyes are sweating. Daughter is staying with her and refusing to leave, also against the custody agreement. I don't believe there was any real danger and just had to show her that rules exist for a reason. My ex-wife, her mother, seems to think different. Am I the a-hole? I added her mother in that. That's not the OP's words. I just wanted to be clear. Right. Eli, what do you think? Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, so um, as a parent, first of all, one of our jobs is to understand the stage of development that our children are in. And um, 
he has very, very little understanding of what a 16 year old is and isn't capable of. Um, and has a control mindset. The mindset is, if you do what I tell you to do, that I will reward you relationally. If you don't do what I tell you to do, I will punish you relationally. And I just, I'm sad for the girl who was absolutely in danger. I think it's interesting. There was no danger. Oh, really? Have we not done any research on what can happen to intoxicated young girls in settings where they know no one? Okay, so there. But what a, what a missed opportunity for him to really show up for his daughter. And, and a way, I think, a distorted perspective on how we all learn. We don't learn because someone drops us in the mess we've made. We learn because someone is willing to show up for us when we do the wise thing of reaching out for help. I, I, he's missing that. It's like, yeah. did she mess up? Yeah, she messed up like the average 16-year-old kid messes up. Yep. But what she did next was profound. She called for help. And, and so did you teach her a lesson about not doing things wrong? No, you taught her a lesson that you are not reliable and yep. you are not someone she can lean on when, when things get messy in life. And of yep. course they will. So yeah, and the, the, that's why when when I said, "Oh, you," she learned a lesson. You're exactly right. She learned that she can't ask her dad for help. <laughs> she learned that she shouldn't trust her instincts about an unsafe situation. Yes, because now her dad is saying it wasn't unsafe, and so you all deserve of a sudden, it. Yeah, it and, wasn't yeah, unsafe, whatever. and you deserve it. This yeah. is your consequence. Yeah, yeah, and and I just have to, on behalf of um, mothers everywhere. I would like to thank this 16-year-old's mother for being there for her child because in that night, and Eli is the attachment nerd, so to speak, (laughs) in that night, that girl learned that she cannot be securely attached to that dad. Am I correct or incorrect? Absolutely correct. I mean, the key indicators when we look at attachment research are what do we do in moments of distress and tender need? And being intoxicated yeah. at one thirty in the morning as a 16-year-old in a house where you don't know anyone is both of those things to the max. And what she did was secure, actually. She took a secure action. She reached for his support. Yes. Um, yeah. And he rejected her reach. Yep. In, yep. in, a, in a pivotal moment. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a tide-turning moment. And, and obviously, we can see the tide turn. She no longer wants to be at his house at all. That's yep. it. That's a rupture that will take some serious repair that, unfortunately, this dad does not have the insight to do. I mean, he, he doesn't. Yeah. Point. And I'll tell you, he thinks he keeps saying violating the custody agreement. Um, I guarantee you, you put that story in front of that family court judge. Yes. yes and yes. the family court judge is going to go, sir, why did you not help your 16 year old daughter when she was in trouble? Yes. That's going to be the first question. I mean, yes. Sorry. Yep. That's he he's created a situation that he's going to have to live with. Talk about consequences. And yes. it I cannot see how this will be um, forgiven. And and just to be clear, you know, in that situation and Eli, you're the therapist, you know. But for me as a parent, I'm going to run by you what I think I would do. Mm-hmm. And you can tell me whether this feels right or wrong to you. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would pick them up and I would mm-hmm. say, thank you for calling me. I am yes. so glad you did because I'm always here to help. And then I would say, we do need to talk about consequences because there will be some. <laughs> and then the next day, 
I would <laughs> sit down and be like, listen, I, I, I gave you a little bit extra rope last night and, and, mm -hmm. and, and I can't give you that much in the future for a little while because I don't know how to trust you in that situation. Let's talk about what would be fair and safe next time. Does yeah. that feel right? Or how would Absolutely. you tweak that? Well, you know, I think I don't even think you have to use the consequences in that way. I think you can mm. use it more. I think you can collaborate. Teenagers are so ready to learn and they want to do things right. Right. They mess up in part yeah. because their social dynamics are very insecure, but they want yeah. to learn. And so, I mean, I think they get in the car and saying exactly what you said all the way up until the end. And then in the next morning, it's simply, hey, let's check in. What happens? What did that feel like? You help them explore and come to some of their own conclusions. And what you're looking for is, are they reflecting on this? Now, if yeah. they aren't reflecting, I think that's the point at which you say, hey, I'm concerned. That felt scary to me. I felt scared. And here's some of the things I felt scared about. And I, I kind of hear you being flippant about it. And so as a result, I'm going to need us to do a little more discussing, or I'm going to need to hear some more yeah. like genuine reflection from you before I'm going to feel comfortable with saying yes to you going to spaces where I don't know anybody. Like we're going to just yes. need to, but it's less like there's going to have to be consequences because that feels like punishment to a kid. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, I'm going to make sure that there's enough something. And I see that, I see consequences as different than boundaries. So a boundary okay. is I'm, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something different because that's what I need to do to take care of myself in this situation. And a consequence is, an, an imposed consequence is I'm going to try and do something that creates suffering so that you won't do it again. It's really just a punishment. Yeah. And I feel like maybe the that collaboration with them is something like, I want you to know that when you're out till two in the morning, especially now that <laughs> I know that there's this, whatever the thing was, why did you go with your friends when right. you knew you were supposed to stay at Bob's house? And then you yeah. ended up at this random party in the woods. So if she's like, oh, my gosh, well, listen, whenever I say anything, so-and-so talks over me or they're mm -hmm. always like, you know, you're such a puss or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like at that point, it's like, OK, the problem is she's feeling like she can't use her voice. And it's like, yes. you're right. I love what you said, because all of a sudden now we have an opportunity to address the real problem, which is she's not using her voice. Yes. When Bob is being, you know, overwhelming yep. or something. Yep. Right. Exactly. Or feeling hyper responsible to meet other people's needs you know i see that with a lot of young girls where it's like they've they feel like it's their job to do whatever mm. other people want you know because they want them to be happy they want their friends to have a good time whatever anyway yes but it's like we want to be our children's safest teachers mm -hmm. right? it's not permissive and if you say, it's only permissive if you say nothing or you go when i was a kid i did that too ha 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 no big deal okay yeah. well now that's a problem because we really haven't addressed it it was yeah. a big deal. Right? We've but, all ended up in the middle of the woods at a party with a random dude and all of our <laughs> friends left us. It's like, did we though? Did, well, I and mean, if we I did, did and we haven't promised, I didn't either. I was very cautious. But I think I think what, what we want our children to do is to process and learn and grow. And mm -hmm. we want them to continue to have an open line of communication with us. And if I think someone might take things away from me as a way to teach me, I don't know that I feel real comfortable communicating yeah. openly anymore. And so, yes, again, there might be a boundary. Hey, you, you were drinking and driving. And so that's my rule. You can't drive my car. Yeah, car is done. Least, 
well, yeah, cars done for this amount of time and this is what it would look like to get this. These are the steps it would take in order to earn that privilege back. Here's what that would be. Yeah. It's not because I'm punishing you. It's because this is my boundary. I don't feel good yeah. about that, which yep. is kind of leading into this next one. So I'm real curious. There's some oh, strong yay! boundary setting in the next one. Well, okay, this I'm one's so for you, Reed Eli. Okay. 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 Am I the a-hole for telling my daughter-in-law she is never welcome at my home again? Well, I don't know. It depends on what she did. Let's listen. I, 44-year-old female, have a 23-year-old biological son as well as three foster children, two boys, 9 and 17, and one girl, 12. I've been a foster parent since my son was four and a social worker as well. He has gone through life understanding the system and the horrors these kids face. I mean, yes. The three that I have right now, I am planning to adopt. I love them as my own. The last two Christmases, I have not had my biological son, Tyler, at home. He has spent them with his girlfriend and wife now of eight months. Uh, family. That didn't make sense. Oh, well. I have always respected it. She is much less independent than Tyler, and her family suffered the loss of a grandfather, so they wanted her there for the holidays. This Christmas, Tyler has been telling me that him and Sonia, my daughter-in-law, will spend Christmas with our family. Well, the day before yesterday, Tyler told me he feels like he owes a debt to Sonia's family for the extravagant wedding gift they gave them, and he felt pressure to spend another holiday with them. I didn't believe him. I know when my son is lying. After pressing for about 15 minutes, he revealed to me that Sonia felt uncomfortable spending Christmas at home because it did not feel genuine. She says that my foster children are not real family, so it takes away from the spirit of the holiday. Um, yeah, skid marks. I would never let anyone be so disrespectful to Tyler, so why would I let this fly with my other children? I told him, fine, but if she doesn't feel comfortable at Christmas, then I don't ever feel comfortable with her around my kids, and she cannot step foot in this house again. I've always treated her with kindness and respect. I love her because she loves my son and he loves her, but I will not let anyone exclude my children. My husband believes I'm going to cause a wedge between us and our son, but right now I'm so disappointed in him. This is not who I raised him to be. Maybe a wedge is needed for him to come to his senses. So Reddit, am I the a-hole? Well, first of all, I'll just say this. Continuing our theme of we have an opportunity to have a conversation here, right? That this, we, as our couples therapist once said, every family is a culture. And this gal's family culture may have been one of these aren't your real kids. Right. And she may need to be uh, have the door opened to understanding this differently by yeah. this mother-in-law rather than having a door shut. That was my instant reaction. I mean, I I have adopted siblings. I have worked with kids in the foster system for a very long time. I feel very protective of children who have gone through relinquishment, loss, abuse, mm. trauma, and are treated as such, as if that's some indication of their value in the world. So I understand the mama bear response, but like, not my children. It, you, not, in, not on my lawn. This is not happening in my house, right? I get it. But I, I also would say there's a more mature way to respond. Mm. Wow, that hurts. That's really upsetting to me. I'm going to need to take some time to figure out how I'm going to respond to this. Um, uh, we won't see you this Christmas since that's been what you've decided. And, um, I will reach out to you. I need a little time to cool down. I feel really defensive of my three other children, um, and hurt. 
Um, and I feel hurt that you didn't stand up to this way of thinking. I, I, I feel hurt that you've left your siblings in in this ignorant assumption from your wife. Yeah. Um, I also wonder how old they are. Did they say how old the kid this 23 is the boy. So he's been with her since he was 21. These are young married people. I mean, they're kids. There's not even a fully formed prefrontal cortex. So, I mean, and I'd wonder about her education level. I'd wonder about her story and all of that. Like what's happened in her world this week. So my, you know, if I, I understand the protective mama bear response, but I think there's a missed opportunity. I mean, I feel like the moment that our therapist said that every family is a culture, it blew my mind because yes. we, at that point, when you blend families, you do mm-hmm. need to invite them into your culture Definitely. instead of Definitely. assuming they know, Definitely. you know, and also shout out to this foster mom. She sounds amazing. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I wonder too. And I mean, because this is where the conversation comes in. I wonder if that was the excuse he came up with because he didn't feel comfortable sharing something else. You know, that's something I see a lot where it's like, that was like the quickest thing he could explain. But maybe there's some other thing that's much more complex and emotional and he's not ready to address, you know, is the boundary from the daughter-in-law or is it from him? I don't know. Who knows? Um, Yeah. But you feel like you see people scapegoating their spouses a lot. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Definitely. Oh, nice. Definitely. <laughs> Lovely. I, I think dynamics <laughs> with parents. I think a lot of people don't know how to shift the the loyalty, so shift that primary attachment to their partner, and and know how to rearrange the relationship with their parents. And a lot yeah. of parents don't allow themselves to be rearranged in their role. They take it very personally that yeah. there is someone else in that primary attachment role. Um, and so then it gets to be kind of this confusing, messy dynamic where they're like, I can't please anybody. And so they're sort of un- telling one person this, telling the other person that, and trying to keep the peace um, yeah. instead of really wrestling with some major transitions and changes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope that they listen to you because I feel like Literally. they need to hear Eli Harwood right now. Like all of these people that we're talking about, it's like, a therapist is helping you. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> You're so sweet. It's part of why I Brian, can't call them an a-hole, too. I just feel like if, if I met no. everyone, because here's what I've found over the years. Every time I hear something about someone that I think, oh, man, that sounds terrible. When I have the opportunity to dig into the story, I go, oh, well, yeah, it was terrible. And also, huh, see where that came from. I see the humanness. Yeah. It's very, you know, the humanity is yep. there somewhere. Eli is going to do therapeutically sound answers to these. She's not going to be someone in the Or maybe there will be one that's so bad that I'm like, that's it. That's the one. Yeah. I can use it. I can name We'll them. have to see. Hey. Okay, Brian, who's reading the next one? All right. So I think I'll tackle this one because this one feels like a... a, a you'll see. Um, I did end up reading <laughs> a little bit of this one and was like, oh, okay. Oof, yikes. All right, so, (laughs) all right, this one is, am I the a-hole for telling my wife that I'm not taking off of work to be present at our daughter's birth? (laughs) Yep, I don't even have to get into this one. It's already looking bad. (laughs) So, all right, my daughter is expected to be born sometime this month, so I've been picking up extra work in order to have more money for when the baby came. 
yesterday when I came home and my wife asked when I would be taking off of work. Uh, my wife asked when I would be taking off of work so that way I could be by her bedside. I told her that I couldn't because there was a big project coming up and that they needed me. My boss is also married to the sister of one of my wife's brother's friends. That's not complicated at all. Mm-mm. So my boss <laughs> is also visualize. married to this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My boss is also married to the sister of one of my wife's brother's friends, and they've all known each other for a long time. When I got out of the shower, my wife told me that she called my boss and that he was giving me uh, as much time off as I needed with pay. Then she says, you told me that there was a project and that they needed you but I was just told you didn't even ask for any time off. In fact, you asked for more work. I got Oof. upset for one, and I told her this when I was first offered the job as well, that I don't want her using her friendship with my boss to get me any special treatment. Two, I think it's disrespectful that she overruled my decision to go to work uh, by going over my head. Instead of talking to me and having a call, if I decided to take time off, that is, She decided by herself that I was going to take time off and called the boss on my behalf. Imagine you decided to do something at work and your spouse calls your boss and tells them not to let you do it. How would you feel? Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) She apologized about calling, but was still mad about why I never asked for time off. I explained to her that I wanted to work for extra money to have after the birth. And plus, the baby wouldn't even remember me being there or not. Oh, my God. It's not about the baby. Anyway, I'm sorry. Too early. Uh, she burst into tears and said that she wanted me to be there. And I felt bad and said I would try to be there. I, oh, my God. I can't even get through this. <laughs> I felt bad and said I would try to be there if I could. And everything was fine until this morning when I was getting ready for work. And she said, you're still going to work? And I said, yes. And she asked, what if the baby starts to come? I said that her mom will be there and that I will try to rush over to the hospital as fast as I could. She said, fine, go. I don't care anymore with an attitude. And I left. Yeah. I just, Jesus Christ. I just got a text from her mom saying, quote, shame on you. And my mom saying, quote, I'm disappointed. I thought I raised you better than this. I don't get what the big deal is. Why is everyone making such a big deal about me not being at the bedside? How many of you remember your parents being bedside? I want to take the time off after the baby is born so I could bond with her. It doesn't make sense to me to take off before then. I know my wife wants me to be there, but we're always together. Am but, I the asshole or is my wife not thinking straight? He's, he's I try just, to be gentle with her because I know it's mostly out of her control hormones talking, oh, but this oh, is ridiculous. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to stay quiet. And let you guys just... (laughs) The first thing I want to say is this. I just... The only... There's only one way in which I'm on his side here. And that's that I think he could go to work until she goes into labor. I mean, I'm okay with that. My husband was working when I went into labor and then he left work. So he could be there. Right. But like that... But he's clearly not intending that. He's not... Like there's no mention of that. Like I, I, I think... Like she obviously can tell he's not invested in being a part of this unbelievable important and also scary and frightening and overwhelming moment yes. in her life in his life and in their life right in the including this job um and again i just there's some social deficit here i'm just thinking like even as he writes this like how is he not processing this like that like i think like my role is to just make some money that's what i'm gonna do i'm make some money for the baby 
No, it's her hormones. Don't you see? It's her, oh gosh. Her, oh gosh. Her, her girl hormone. So, like, to be very clear, since we all see it, the point, the reason we're upset is because she needs him there. Yes. And yes. maybe the baby won't remember. But what if the baby doesn't live? What if the ba- you yeah. know, like, I, there's just so many things there that I, I don't know. He he sounds. Again, we I would want more time. What's going on here? Did you not want to become a father? Did you want a baby? Did you want to be in this relationship? You know, what are all the circumstances surrounding this? Um, you know, did you have, I, I would put a strong guess that you had an extremely disconnected relationship with your own father. Your idea of the role of a father feels very sterile, right? It's removed. Um, yeah. You know, what all is playing out here? I just, I could like feel this pregnant mama, like the tear, like yeah. I just want to wrap my arms around her. Yeah. Was the right move for her to call his boss? Uh, uh, she was desperate. I think she was feeling gaslit and she was yeah. trying to figure out. Yeah. I, I feel like it was an investigative call. It wasn't like, I mean, a call and tell on you to your boss. It was more like, what is this? She, I think she was doing that type of questioning. What is this? Why aren't yeah, you? Yeah, what's this about? Wanting well, to she be knows at that, the child's birth. Plus, she can she can smell the bullshit too because like she knows that she knows the boss. She's yeah. friends with like she's in the circle and knows that that's not the type of thing that that guy would do. Right. Knowing that he's got a kids himself and stuff, she's like, no, like that doesn't sound like John yeah. or whoever. Like, like John's would be cool about this. I, yeah, it doesn't seem like you've actually told him the things that you're telling me you've told him. And yep. then when she calls, because they do have a you know rapport, and he's like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna give you time off plus pay. Don't even add. Like, you know, what I mean, yeah. you're good. Then she's like, I knew it. Like, she's feeling like yes. crazy almost. But like, like no, there's no way John would be like so. Okay, so because I can't call people a-holes because I really just, I keep trying, I keep thinking, is this the one? And I just can't do it. But what I would say, is, there's one really interesting piece in the writing, which is when he says, I'm not the kind of person who would basically be like taking advantage of other people or like wanting a handout. But it, what was the exact quote? Oh, um, yeah. It. But that was sort of like a, huh, where'd that come from? Um, and so that I thought was interesting. It's like, maybe there's some insecurity there around having did he get this job through her and so he doesn't feel like he's really yes. earned it is he still trying to Here earn the job what does it say okay she said or he said for one and i told her this when i was first offered the job as well that i don't want her using her friendship with my boss to get me any special treatment i think you're right i think he's feeling insecure about like how he got the job maybe yep which is something that toxic masculinity does to men right it's like I have to earn this on my own accord with nobody's help. If there's any help involved, that means I'm not man enough. I haven't really done this. And so <laughs> so who knows what's playing out there? Because that felt kind of out of left field to me. Of like, what does this have to do with the price of tea? Like, what's happening? Yeah, good call. I, I also think with this, this is, uh, this, we should sound the alarm here. Um, men, you need to mentor other men about what it means to be a good dad. And a good husband, but in this circumstance, men need to be talking to other men the way that we gals talk to each other when we are going to have a baby. Because I I talked to yes. my friend about like, tell me about the placenta. What's that like? And I told other friends what what different things were like in that experience. Yes. 
And yes. I was, I don't know if you guys know Jen Hamilton, but she's a TikToker who's a labor and delivery nurse. And she was talking about um, the different kinds of like bad dads in the delivery room, and she calls them turds. And she said <laughs> she's had more than one dad show up with a complete gaming system <gasps> with a full monitor to the delivery room to play video games with headphones on. Okay. No. She's no. like, and, and, and there's and other ones that try and bully the nurses that try and that, that tell their parent, the partner that they're being weak, that oh, they me. are like, I could do this. This is no big deal. Why aren't you? And, and Jen Hamilton outlines this really, really clearly. And combined with this, I'm thinking to myself, every individual man is responsible for how he's screwing this up. Yes. But also men, please, it is time for you to step in and help your sons and your guy friends know how to be good dads in that delivery room and good partners. Like, guys, come on. It's ridiculous. Well, also, it breaks my heart again. You know, sorry, I have to go to the heartbreak. But I, it's the, the training. Like, you talked, you referenced this earlier. The training that occurs early in childhood for boys that they are disconnected from their bodies. And so they enter yeah. into... And, and we can't be connected to others if we're disconnected to ourselves, right? So that, that's the back and forth. We learn how to be connected to ourselves by being connected to others. But this emotional yep. connection being severed so young leads to these things. Yeah. You know, and maybe inside, like Eli, you were saying, maybe inside what's happening is I am so effing scared that something is going to happen to my wife and my baby. I yeah. can't be there. And then yes. maybe because of what we have done to boys in our society he can't say, it's not about work. I am so scared. Because in reality, when men are in touch with yes. that feeling, it's terrifying to go into yes. a delivery room because your whole yes. world is in one room yes. and literally potentially a danger. I mean, I almost died in my second childbirth. So I lost three oh. liters of blood. And my husband had to sit there Whoa. while my twins were delivered, watching me bleed out on the table as they tried to figure oh. out how to... right. Uh, I didn't die. So that's the beautiful good news. Um, and there were lots of reasons for it that were complex and are not like a typical experience. So I don't want anyone thinking, oh my gosh, that's going to be me. Um, but yeah, it's a terrifying space. Childbirth is vulnerable for men. Yes. There is the opportunity yeah. for a type of loss that that changes your life forever. And so I love that you brought that insight because again, Who's the person behind the a-hole? Who is this person? Yes. I love this question. Brian, what let is me it? ask you a question, Brian. What what would stop? And I know I think we've talked before on the show. Brian is not currently planning on having kids in the future. But what do you think <laughs> would stop a guy? Like, let's say, let's say your friend Jim is got a pregnant female <laughs> partner and they're gonna have a baby. And what would stop other guys from telling Jim, hey, by the way, here's my tips for the delivery room. And here's what you need to know when they give the baby the such and such test. And here's what stops guys from doing that. I'm like super curious. To be honest, a lot of dudes just don't ask. Like you don't ask for help. Like you yeah. just don't. Mm. Like you like you just kind of do it and you go like, well, everyone else does it. You know, I got to do it. And then like, like, or, or it's kind of like an after, like, like, oh, I was the delay. Like, whoa, that was crazy. Yeah, right? Like, why didn't you tell me? Well, you never asked. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, like we oh. just, dudes don't really communicate at all. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it's such a weird sentence, but like, it, someone has to, we talk about this on the show, like, go first. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and like, it's I don't scary. know, a lot of times, 
and we also go like, oh, I'll be able to handle it. You know, I'll be able to do it or whatever. And then you go in realizing you're not prepared at all. So. <laughs> yeah. Like, would it be offensive in guy culture if that guy was like, Jim, I've got some tips for you if Jim did not ask? I think the fear could be there. I think for something like that, it's kind of like understood that this is kind of a very unique circumstance yeah. in that like, uh, you know, even if you have a lot of kids, it would still only be like a thing that happened, what, five times in your whole yeah, life? Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. Like yeah. it's still very small. So I don't think that there would be like the same type of like someone like playing pool or something. Someone comes, oh, let me tell you what you're doing wrong here. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I do feel like men do give women advice about this. So I, I would bet like a guy wouldn't be like, <laughs> Hey Jimbo, let me talk to you about your when your baby's born. But he might be like, "I hope you're not planning on getting that epidural." If he's one of those guys, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but don't you think? Okay, tell me. This is this is just my own opinion after my years of clinical work and research on attachment. Is that I think that there is automatically in a male to male interaction um, a threat energy there. The threat energy yeah. is if I'm real, if I'm vulnerable, if I ask you a question, or even if I give you advice. Maybe if I give you advice that somehow I could be at risk of being humiliated by you. That, that, mm. that's, that, that there's this potential humiliation in the room at, at every moment of male-to-male -male interaction. Um, and, and so when you said go, someone has to go first, like as, for, as women, it's like, who gets to go first? Like, do you want to talk about you or I can talk about me? Like, it, because there's, there's such a sense that like, I will be caught. And that's not true for all women everywhere in all female circles, but I would say that's like more of the sentiment of like, if I bring vulnerability here, if I am honest, if I ask for help, like it will cultivate more connection and more bonding. But I think yeah. for men, it's like either it's this is going to create cult, you know, connection or bonding potentially, maybe I'm not sure. Someone told me that one time, but or like I am going to be the butt of a joke. I am going to be yeah. looked down on. Like the humiliation threat is always there. Yeah, I always say that like dude conversation is like, it's like fishing. Like you're always testing the waters. Like you, oh. you rarely ever jump in right away. Like unless it's something like obvious that you know, like, because that's the thing. It's like, it's hard to kind of gauge because there's a dividing line between people who are so close to you that they're, they're like in the familial level where you can mm -hmm. just kind of say whatever, do whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But- Generally speaking, in all like social interactions with dudes, there are like this level of always testing what's happening, right? Mm. Like testing the aggression levels, testing like, is everyone on your side? Are like people like, yeah. like, is this guy actually out to get me? Or is he just like, are we having a good time here? Like there is this kind <sighs> of level of like, uh, and, and that's where hypervigilance it's like hypervigilance yes. that's the thing it's like like uh, there are so many like micro interactions that yeah. happen like between dudes that are just like purely on like glances and body like uh, uh, language that like um, there are times where it was like like I'll turn to my girlfriend like that was weird that dude just like really tried to like come and she's like I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> it's like this whole thing just happened that like but you know what um, it is because it's yeah like, it's it's, 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 it's it's unconscious it's monkey brain like yeah. it's it's very old yeah. school monkey brain stuff and that's where it feels like even in in a conversation like even if it is with your close friends you go like like okay i'm gonna test the waters by like throwing out something that's kind of vulnerable 
just see if anyone's even like down to go down this rabbit hole. And if it's not and someone starts to bring up football or whatever, we just get out. So we are afraid of jumping in on the conversation. That's like the canary in the mine, right? You're like putting it in. And like as soon as a joke comes up or something surfacey comes up, you're like, whoop, not in this mine. You know, my husband and I talk a lot about this when we go to we go to like a social gathering um, and we'll come home, we'll be in the car and I'll be like downloading, you know, what what I learned about where everyone's at. And he's like, I don't understand how you accumulated that amount of information in two hours. And I'm like, well, what did you guys talk about? And like, literally, it's like the, the a fraction of the information is coming out. But what you're saying, and I think, I mean, it's what I'm saying, too, is because you're navigating threat and danger, relational yeah. threat and danger that whole time. And so you're you're not getting to that goodness of community. And this this is why I refuse to set, shut my son off with his emotions, because, yeah, I want him to know the bounty of connection that is possible in the world, that he does yeah. not have to barrier himself. And I see this with him and his friends. You know, there's a shift. There's definitely a shift. I think mainly mothers are making a shift in how they are engaging their sons but also some fathers and there's kind of a totally. new generation so i'm hopeful for that but also it breaks my heart for all of y'all in our age bracket because i just I think know. oh man i want that for you to just be genuinely authentically known without having to edit and take guard in all of those interactions isn't that interesting it's like that hyper vigilance like brian is walking into every room with a hypervigilance and i think we do too i I, yeah Yeah. we're all being hypervigilant of the men in the room the men are and we are in different ways like i'm i'm looking at what man in the room is going to make me uncomfortable and brian's looking at what man in the room could be dangerous and we're all i mean isn't that an interesting dynamic that we don't ever talk about also i love the the download so my friend my former writing partner jamie reedy he called it the, the the daily download that every day when the husband and wife or the partners get back together, <laughs> the wife does the daily download and is and, and, and the husband's job is to receive the download at that moment. <laughs> and, and, I, and I never get a download back. I'm always like, and then what happened? And then what did you and Aria talk about at lunch? And then what so, did what, what did Mauro say? And my husband's like, I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> me. So we're going to uh, tee up this next one. I think, Joanna, I think you'd be a good one for this one. Okay. So if you wouldn't mind. Um, am I the a-hole for asking my mom to pay rent if she moves in with us? Okay. My wife, 38, and I, 41, just had to fire our au pair because she drove dangerously and almost got into several car accidents. We have three children, eight, six, and four, and my wife and I work. We both come from Asian families, so it's important for us to take care of our parents. My mom currently lives on the other side of the U.S. and I asked her to come stay with us and pay rent, specifically a quarter of the rent, because there are four bedrooms. I was hoping that she would help take care of the children and help my wife with the household chores. (laughs) 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 Okay. But I am asking for rent because she's incredibly messy. She probably has undiagnosed ADHD and the house where she lives right now is full of garbage and piles and things that should have been thrown out years ago. She's not at a point now where she can't live alone, but she is getting there. And I figured that uh, her moving in with us would help her. And she could also spend more time with her grandchildren. I asked her to move in and pay rent, utilities, and groceries. She wouldn't clean, obviously, but maybe she would drive the kids around and cook some. She got mad at me and says that asking for rent is wrong, especially if I'm asking her to move in. 
I don't think I'm the a-hole, though, because she would be incredibly messy and I would eventually have to start looking after her, too. I feel incredibly indebted to my mom for all she's done for me in my life, but I feel like my wife and children don't have this same level of respect yet. And paying rent would justify her being there. I'm really concerned about my mom's cognitive ability. And my other two siblings aren't in situations where they can take care of her, but they still think I'm the a-hole for wanting rent. My mom also inherited a lot of money so she can afford this. Okay, Eli, I imagine this person is in your office. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so I'll I'll, I'll go with like piques my interest. One thing that really piqued my interest was at the end, um, kind of, I think he was highlighting there he's he likes this idea more than his wife and children do is what i Mm. sensed you know i feel like my wife and children don't have the same level of respect yet and paying rent would justify her being here so i'm imagining the background conversation of him being like what if we just bring my mom here and his wife being like no we're not doing that we're gonna have to take care of her we're gonna have to clean up her messes i don't know so i'm wondering about that like what's the dynamic there um yeah by the way, I, let me interject. My mom lives with me. And I think oh. that's why Brian gave me that question. So to be clear, my mom and my stepdad used to live with us for just three months in the winter when it was bad in Michigan. And then they ended up um, buying into our property so they could live here half the year. But they And so we'd pay down our mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they do. My mom does pay utilities. And now that mm-hmm. she's a widow, it's good for her to be around us. But we do have her pay for part of the utilities. But that was her idea. Uh, Would I make her do it? Probably not. You know, I think one of the things that keeps coming up as a theme in all of these questions are people having rigidity in their communication around boundaries. And their theme is the absence of nuance and putting relationship first. And I think sometimes people get lost and they think if I put relationship first, that means I can't put myself in at all, right? It's either what they need or it's what I need. And so there's this like, um, and you know, what would it have been like to just say, Hey, come and let's, let's sort of see how it feels. And we can kind of discuss the different pieces of what's happening. You know, Hey mom, you know, the way that you move around this kind of the way you relate to things, it feels really overwhelming and stressful for us. Would you mind paying for a cleaner twice a week? Yeah. You know, to take care of that mess. Or um, you know, hey, we're really tight on finances. We're gonna need your help. I, I think I get that she has lots of money. You're probably gonna inherit that money, dude. Yeah. Um the, the thing that's also a theme between this one and the sibling one is it's like people are little puppet masters yeah. and they're they're behind the scenes thinking they can do a thing to resolve a problem that hasn't actually become a problem yet or resolve a problem that's always been a problem without hasn't been addressed. addressing the problem. Yeah. And so they're like pulling people's strings. Yeah. Like if she pays rent, my wife won't be resentful of the fact that she's a real mess. And <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're trying to pull strings and make people do things when you could just have the conversation. Or accept the dynamic, you know? And, and I think... I think we are, we have a lot of interesting stuff around like generational relationships. So I I am also going to have my mom live on my property. Like we're going to build an accessory dwelling unit. She's going to move in hopefully in like the next four or five years. But like, that's our plan. And, yeah. you know, I see that as an honor. Like, and she wants to be there before my kids are gone to get that time. And I want her to be there because I want to be there 
when that weird yeah. memory lapse happens. I want to be there. I want to be the one yeah. that takes her to the hospital, that takes her to the doctor. I, I want that. Will it create labor for me? Yes, it will. But I, it's meaningful labor. And yeah, I don't know. So I, I yeah, but I, there is avoidance in this. I, I can yeah. hear, you know, I don't, I don't get a full able vibe on this guy. I don't, but there is a lack of attunement to the relational aspects in this situation. Yeah, I'll tell you the 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 one thing about having had my parents here, and and we have lost my stepdad, and and, and he was instrumental in raising us, so we were really close mm-hmm. to him. Is that my boys, who are my oldest kids? The relationship that they had with both my parents, but especially my stepdad, was so amazing. And he would, like every Tuesday when I was working late, he would take them out to this one place for pizza. And then he Man. would indulge them and buy them candy on Tuesdays because I didn't let them have candy during the week. And this, they had this, this routine. <laughs> and he taught them how to change a tire, for instance. And and oh. then when my friend, my son's friend got a flat tire, they're like, Isaac knows how to change a tire. Let's do this. So I, there went Isaac to change a tire because Pop-Pop taught him. And that is a gift. And I hope that, uh, you know, probably this person's not going to hear our advice, but I hope other people can see that there's such a gift to kids to have a multi-generational home. Yes. And there's that exchange is, you can't replicate it. It's not something you can monetarily assign meaning to. Yeah. Um, and I always feel like, you know, I hear all of my clients in my heart and my head for the rest of my life. And not every intergenerational situation is healthy. So, you know, if, if, right. if your mother is a raging narcissist who will shame and humiliate you and your children in every interaction, I'm, I'm so sorry yeah. to hear that, but she's not a good candidate for moving into your house. So I don't want right. anyone to think like, oh, this is supposed to be a thing everyone does. No, I think there's obviously lots of context and specificity it, yeah i am extremely excited about the headline of this <laughs> next one and i don't think that brian should read this <laughs> so eli yeah. am i the a-hole for wearing a bikini even though my sister just had a baby okay mm. okay basically the title i'm a 26 year old female on a family vacation parents sister rachel 30 her son one her husband adam 31 and my husband and our daughter too we are by the sea, and yesterday was the first time we'd be going to a beach club. My sister asked me not to wear a bikini or anything revealing because she said both she and Adam are not feeling the best about her postpartum body, and she really didn't want to bring the topic up. Okay. I said oh, I was Adam. sorry she feels that way, but I wasn't going to spend a day roasting under an umbrella and able to swim or enjoy myself. Here, here, girl. Here, here. I said tons of women would be in bikinis, so I didn't see why I made a difference. We went to the beach and Rachel was a wreck all day and refused to come with us to the beach today. My parents are now saying, I'm the ale for not just wearing a cover-up that you can still swim in and that if I keep wearing swimwear, it's going to ruin the trip. Edit. Read Adam and the body thing. Yes, you read it right. Rachel didn't elaborate, but I presume Adam has made some kind of comments because several times during and after Rachel's pregnancy, he asked me about my postpartum diet workout. I or have mercy. I was vague about it, but did end up telling him I'd had surgery and various non-invasive treatments and that diet and exercise was not the deciding factor. He stopped asking. Um, okay. My brain is short-circuiting 
because I hate Adam so much and I'm not a therapist <laughs> like Eli is, so I can say that. I hate Adam. I hate him. Okay, I, Adam, ahead, Adam, like, Adam might be the a-hole for me. I, I think he <laughs> might be. He might get it. I can't see the, I can't see around it. Like I don't, I don't, maybe there's cultural religious things. I don't know. Maybe that's as far as I can go with not, but I, okay. So no, no, you are not the a-hole, my dear. You are allowed to wear whatever you want to wear. And your body is not an offense to anybody else. And the notion that your body could be brought into conversation by your brother-in-law um, as a topic is icky. It's icky in him asking you how your post-bottom, you know, what did you do to look so great? That's icky on multiple planes. It's and and this and the position he, he put your sister in, that she has to be thinking about him thinking about your body. Icky. And then for there to be any attempt at policing your body and for your parents to participate in that, icky. Especially, girl, you had your baby, you did your things, you feel good, you want to swim, have some fun, enjoy your body. Not okay. And I'm heartbroken for you because clearly this is a system that is deeply disoriented around what a woman's body is and who it belongs to. Yeah. It's really, really sad. And it does the parents going along with it is is a tell about why the sister accepts this from her husband. Right. Yeah. Because it as a parent, you should be like, I'm sorry, no offense to your husband, but I feel like that was hurtful of your of your husband and your sister has every right to wear what she's going to wear. And it, it, the parents should be since the parents are in this situation yes. and inserting themselves anyway, that feels like that would have been the better choice on their part. Yeah. I yeah. will say this about bodies. I have so much compassion. Some people would be like, Rachel needs to get over her body insecurity. I yeah. have, and I know you probably do too, Eli. I have so much compassion also for her sister being heartbroken over her body. Yeah. And it's not just her husband that's causing it. It is your first baby especially it is a wild experience to be like oh my gosh my body can change so much yes. and it may never go back and yes. and there's no other time when it happens like that over not just nine months but like that that day that that baby's born you have a different body it feels yes. different it looks different and it's often not the same so i have so much compassion for her and i have a friend and actually oddly her name is rachel who is legit legitimately a supermodel. And <laughs> we we would go to the beach, and I remember being like, well, thank God we're going to go boogie boarding because I need to wear a wetsuit and zip it up all the way. Yeah, and yeah. I had a couple of years where it was like, if my Rachel was coming to the beach with us, it was like, which cover-up am I wearing? How am I going to get an excuse to wear the wetsuit? Yes. All yes. of that. And then I had this revelation. I was like, Rachel doesn't feel that way. She doesn't like... I know how she feels about her body and being a model. I know how hard she works on it. She doesn't look at me like my body's less than hers because she's no. a good person. Good. And that's all within me. And I was able to like try and think about what I wanted to create in the world and wear my actual body out, you know? Yes. Wear it yes. into the world and let people yes. see it like, yes, this is a body one, that's had two or three children. So one of my um, Instagram posts that's been getting a lot of traction lately, I say, the opposite of body hatred 
isn't believing you are beautiful. It's believing that your presence is more valuable than your appearance. So what breaks my heart in this story is that Adam doesn't see his wife, that he doesn't understand the power of, of a woman who has reproduced, <laughs> like the beauty of that, the allure of that, the sacredness of that, that, that he is stuck on appearance over presence. And now his presence is causing harm to both his wife yeah. and his sister-in-law. And it's such an insecurity that for men, I'm reminded, oh God, I keep going compassionate places with jerk men and I'm so sorry. I'm so, I, but it is a reminder. It. I think I that to us. <laughs> no, like it is a reminder that men need to resist the temptation to feel like their value is represented by how stereotypically hot their, their partners wife is. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, This is yep. where the men need to get tougher. But you know what? I would argue it's not about toughness. It's still the opposite. It's get tender. It's get down oh, into those yeah. tender buckles. It's get under to those places where you were eight years old and someone made fun of you for being chubby. And now you are determined to never be chubby and nor can your wife be. Like, get yeah. tender. What is this? But that dehumanized yeah. you. Where is it? And how can you come to a place of kindness towards your body and therefore all bodies? Well, and they need to be strong to do that. So like if I have yeah, to speak I get you. in I male get you. talk, I'll just say, okay, you're okay, exactly okay. right. And it takes a strength. certain amount of mental toughness and strength to get there. So you're, yeah. I, but I you're, completely no, no. I love agree that. with you. I love that because yeah. the most courageous thing that men do in therapy is ball their eyes out. That takes oh, way yeah. more balls, way more guts than sitting in therapy and being shut down. It's the crying. I, I mean, I, and I watch that terror. I watch that scanning. Like, can I? How will I be perceived? What will happen next? And that's what's scary. And that's why that's strong. I'm with you. It takes toughness to be tender as a man. It's totally. Okay. Brian, are you reading this one? So this one, uh, my uh, HDMI cord got knocked out by my dog. Oh, so no. I'm cameraless at the moment. So I'm actually going to let you uh, okay. finish up this one here, Joanna. You can tackle the awesome. final question okay. here. And this is a doozy. <laughs> this one actually got deleted. So this oh. is one that we recovered Ugh. from a deleted thread because this one okay. is a little okay, wild. Okay, hold on. I'm going to so, lean in. Am I yeah. the a-hole for taking in my sister and her kids but refusing to house her rude, overweight, and jobless hu husband? Before I read this, let's just say nothing wrong with, with, with different body types, okay? Fair We're sure, not even going to sure. indulge that shaming. Okay, so here's the story. My little sister, who's 32, recently came to me, age 34, in tears over the fact that her and her family are going to be evicted and have nowhere to go. Her family consists of three little girls under 10, and let's call her husband D. He's 35. D and my sister met online when she was 20. He used pictures of another guy when they met. He was about 350 pounds. He is a world-class manipulator and told my sister that his appearance shouldn't matter and he love-bombed her. They got married a year later when he, where he was late to the wedding and has generally been very disrespectful to our family, my sister included. Though their marriage, through their marriage, he is now at least 650 pounds and mainly bed bound. He doesn't work and my sister does. She has to pay for a babysitter to come while she's at work and he's home playing video games because he doesn't like to spend too much time with the kids. Okay. They're his kids? Me and him never have gotten along, but at my sister's last baby shower when she was six months along and still working, he was making comments on how on gross stuff like, 
I'm going to tell them to do a husband stitch this time. Okay. It, I know. I know. I was going to make that joke earlier about the other guy. I was going to be like, oh, is he going to tell her to oh put the God. husband okay. stitch in? Uh-uh. Oh, my God. Uh-uh. This dude actually it said it. It pissed me off, and I confronted him. He just backed down, but he knows I'm not a fan of him. His parents were at the party and were disgusted as well. He's a lazy bum who verbally abuses my sister and their kids. My sister's thought of leaving him once or twice, and I've offered to pay for an attorney. That's the backstory. The guy eats out two to three times a day, which is why they are behind on bills. He's just a slob. He has no job and tried to make it as a streamer for a year, but no one li- can listen to him. He's just insufferable and belches and farts all the time. He's a grown man that acts like a 13-year-old. I had Thanksgiving at my house last year and watched him spit on my living room carpet. Yikes. Also during Thanksgiving prayer, he farted and laughed loudly. He's just gross. I'm not sorry. He also mistreats my nieces. He snaps at them like dogs since he's too lazy to get up, demands water and ice, and berates them if they forget the ice. The girl was four and just started crying. He told her to get over it. He's not a good guy. The girls do not like to be near him, which is fine because he prefers to be miserable by himself. I have the room for their family. I have my own house with three extra bedrooms. I told her that I would take her and the kids in, but not D. I am not going to pay for him to disrespect my house and my sister in my house. My sister went and told D this, and he called me screaming, calling me all sorts of names, saying I was breaking up a family. I told him to be a man, and he can figure it out while at least knowing his wife and kids are taken care of. He hung up. My sister's begging me to let him come with. I've told her no. Am I the a-hole? Edit. Our parents ha- are dead. The kids have nowhere else to go. I will be taking in their kids no matter what, and I'm happy to do so. But I won't take in my sister if she won't stay because d isn't invited okay there's so much here and the first thing i want to say is i mean not the yeah, asshole right she's like not i can't the be the asshole, only one. but i just i do want to make really clear that like clearly he's he's disabled and and yes. excessive weight gain we often do like equate that with slobbery and i want to be clear that that i nor i'm sure eli nor brian it's mental illness is trying yeah we're trying we're none of us are trying to say that the weight gain makes him a slob it no. sounds, but but things like spitting on the floor and being verbally abusive to his family, those are the things we can address without any shame or hesitance. Yes, at least yes. on my part. This could be this could be the hottest dude in the world, and yeah. I exactly. would yes. still yes. feel yes. the I same. I think that's it. The yeah. the, the um, fat shaming that's inherent in how she talks about him feels yucky. Um, but clearly, like there's a deeply problematic. Um, mindset that he has about himself and the way he treats and and I think it she's setting a really healthy boundary like no absolutely not he cannot come live here Uh Um, I hope he gets help I hope he you know does what he needs to do but no he can't come here um yeah yeah but you know that that have you ever read um oh goodness gracious I hate when my brain does this it had it it had it yes shrill uh Lindy West oh yeah Yes, oh, she's amazing. It's so good. I like if anyone is listening to this and thinking, well, I don't know, I am grossed out by bodies that are a, of a larger size or whatever. Go buy this book right now. First of all, she's gonna make you laugh your ass off. She's hilarious, but also just help you consider the experience of someone who is in a body that is larger size. I'm I'm trying to like. Yeah. figure out how I say this in a way that's dignified, right? I don't want to be walking on eggshells. Yeah, all. Virgie Tovar also writes beautiful 
content, a uh, Substack and book, Virgie Tovar wrote this beautiful parenting book about talking to kids about weight that I love too. And love yeah, they're always Roxanne Gay. Roxanne Gay does this. Oh yeah. But you know, <laughs> I, I, I have, I mean, at being at 650 pounds, there is some profound trauma in this person's background, <laughs> as well as some vulnerability and mental illness. The, that is all very separate from the abusive attitude that he holds. The abusive attitude is I should get what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And if you don't give me those things, now I am justified to treat you in degrading ways. Okay. Um, and I can ignore all of my impact on everybody else, but then I can criticize everyone else's impact. Okay. That's, that is a whole separate thing that I do believe he's culpable. I do not believe he's yeah. culpable for his illness, his position in life, and I and I don't think highlighting that as what makes him bad um, is okay. But but the other pieces are inexcusable and abusive, and I hope he gets some help. I hope he really yeah. figures it out. I mean, having having to pay uh -uh. for a babysitter to come in while he's home because he doesn't feel like watching his own kids is yes. yeah. bananas. That is no. like I like I don't even understand how that's like how do you have that conversation even with your with your significant other like oh like you're at work I don't well, feel like watching the kids you pay like and especially it we takes don't have the weaponized money. incompetence my, yeah and my back my back I can't I can't get up oh, my back is, is hurting there's just no way you know I mean and I tried to get to that one but doctor but they're you know booked out for nine months or they told me this and we don't I don't know there's it's medical. I'm sure that was the discussion. And I'm sure that's how the wife got to the point of um, enabling that. There certainly are men who will not watch their own children, will not be primary parents even for an afternoon because of various excuses. Um, and it seems like this is the kind of guy that would do that. And he just overall sounds abusive. And my heart breaks for this little sister because... And the, and the kids... She's clearly afraid to set healthy boundaries with her husband, and she's yeah. modeling that yeah. for these little girls, which devastating. Yeah. I'm so annoyed they took it down because now I want to get on Reddit and find out what's happened. What I happened? Know. Did they come? Did they not I will come? say this. <laughs> these little girls are getting a good example from their aunt, though, because if your Isn't aunt it? says like, hey, I want you to know you can come be with me. I'm going to keep you safe. And here is why I've decided not to invite your dad. And I know you love him and he has many wonderful traits. But in this case, in my home, I'm setting this boundary. That's actually a really good example for them, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, we've solved all the world's problems today. We did. We did. We did. The, the United yeah. Nations should call So on wait, us. the final wait, verdict on yeah. that one. The, fi the final verdict on that not one, not the, the asshole, say right? Not. That was the, say what we decided boundaries, on. But also maybe... Yep. She may be able to learn a little bit about um, not fat shaming, but beyond that, yeah, yep, we agree. Her house, her boundaries. This is, yep. Eli, will you just take one minute and explain the difference between um, <laughs> boundaries and trying to control somebody else? Yes. Well, like sometimes people say, like they say boundaries, really? and what they're really doing is is like controlling somebody else. Like my yes. boundaries are. Yes, you so can't a boundary, do such and such. So a boundary is about what I will or will not do. Okay. So if someone okay. is saying, my boundary is you need to be at my house every morning at 6 a.m. 
blah, 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 blah. That's not setting a boundary. That's giving someone instructions. So the boundary might be, hey, I really do want you to be the person on this job or on this project. But if you can't be there consistently at 6 a.m., I'm going to have to hire somebody else. And, right. and, and the, the, the energy is the huge piece in the difference between controlling behavior and setting boundaries. Controlling behavior is about, again, that abusive mindset. I should get what I want when I want it, how I want it. And I'm going to find ways to communicate about that, that, that make you feel like you have no other choice. Whereas boundaries are more like, I am going to focus on what's in my control. And I'm going to take care of that, you know, the, the serenity thing. I'm going to recognize what is and isn't in my control and focus on what is in my control and address that. Um, yeah. And I'm okay. And yeah. I understand that you have choices in that too. I, I respect and recognize your choices. If getting here at 6 a.m. is not good for you, I, I totally get that. And I want you to find another job that works for what you need. Yeah. And in this case, with these two sisters, if... The older sister were saying, you cannot come to my home as long as you're married to him. Mm-hmm. That's not a boundary. No. Nope. Because, but she can say, it's about something this person I'm cannot live in, in my yeah, house. I'm manipulating you or I'm trying to control you by telling you I'm cutting off access to me because of who you choose to be married to, as opposed to he's not allowed in my home because he doesn't mm-hmm. respect my space mm-hmm. and he scares me. That's yep. a boundary. Because again, yep. that makes sense. Thank you for that distinction. It's an important one. And there's subtlety. You know, with all this stuff, there's subtlety and there's nuance and there's like, how do they go back yeah. and forth? And, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm always focusing on awesome. what can I do? What's my choice in this matter? And yeah. I'm going to let you figure out yeah. your choice. You do you. I'm going to figure we, out one. We've learned that if we communicate better and also if we stop trying to be puppet masters to the other people in our lives yes. <laughs> and just have the conversation, we can avoid having to ask Reddit if we are the a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Well, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on this, Eli. Like, we had so, so fun. much fun. I want to do this every day, um, <laughs> but I know it's not possible. Um, and thank you to Brian, our producer, for rounding and our team for rounding up these questions because Sabrina yes, and Lily team. and other members of our team helped with this. And um, we've had so much fun. And, and well for done. people listening, Eli Harwood, follow her on socials. She is Attachment Nerd at Attachment <laughs> Nerd. And her book, Securely Attached, can be found anywhere you buy books. Thank you. And join I us. I loved being <laughs> with you all. Yay! And don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast itself. And also be on the lookout for Joanna's upcoming book, Talk to Your Boys. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.